Welcome to the fourth episode of Know Your Onions. Know Your Onions. Our topic for today is building a value-driven company because our guests for today find construction exciting. Know Your Onions. Know Your Onions. The two guests for today are Brian Lee and David Knott. Brian does not need an introduction. You already know him. He's the CEO of Krishi Star, and David is the director of Krishi Star. David has moved from the corporate to startup, spent the last decade on a journey of self-discovery, and is one of the nicest people you'll meet. So, on that note, hey Brian, hey David, hey guys, how are you? Hey there, Quell. Thanks for that great introduction. Yo, yo, on yes. Yo, yo, on yes. Before we start with our segments, uh, give us a little background on how the two of you all met. When did you all meet? Tell us your little story. I guess or, I'll go first, yeah. I, Brian, because um, sure. I kind of reached out to Brian. I was in the UK looking at taking a career break for six months, and um, I did a few searches, thinking, okay, where can I go? What can I do? And uh, initially, I was looking at kind of projects in Africa, and then I kind of started searching in India. Looking for volunteer opportunities, and um, quickly came across the Krishi Star website and thought they were doing something really interesting. Um, I think I'd reached out to Brian probably that same day, and then within about seven to nine days, I'd arrived in Mumbai. I was picked up at uh, the airport by Augusta, uh, head of sales and marketing, and then uh, met Brian face to face. I think we then travelled. For about three or four days around Gujarat, so a definite um, introduction to India was had. I think in those three or four days, Brian, would you say? Yeah, I <laughs> I wanted to share one other funny story. Is I think probably the first week that Dave was was here, we needed uh, somebody to attend a conference for us, and so um, we sent them to Pune to attend the conference. And I think he went there with Augustia, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And he, he was just sitting there and um, as an attendee, like just total invitee. And then all of a sudden, for just all of a sudden he hears his name and they call him up to sit on the, like the honored panel. Uh, <laughs> I think just, just solely because you were, you were a foreigner or something. What would do you, yeah. do you want to share a bit about that? <laughs> Yeah, so I was actually blogging on my iPad because most of the presentation was done in Marathi. And then I heard this voice kind of call over the microphone, you know, David from America. And the guy sitting next to me was kind of poking me because I'm obviously not from America, I'm from the UK, so I was ignoring it. And he said, you need to go up, you need to go up. And I just had this look of confusion on my face. <laughs> I was thinking, it's my third day in India. What on earth am I going to say about the company? You know, I've literally just joined. Um, so then I sat on this panel with five other guests <laughs> um, and thankfully they didn't ask me uh, to speak, but they were passing me all of the documents. So that was an interesting introduction <laughs> to uh, the world of, kind of agriculture and social enterprise. And I literally got mobbed afterwards in the, um, in the garden where people just kept coming up to me and giving me their business cards and saying they wanted to work with me. Um, so I thought, okay, that, that kind of set the scene for what the six months would, would be like. It's that easy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's an amazing story. So on that note, um, now that we know how the two of y'all met, um, could one of you maybe tell us, give us a little brief about just like a recap about 
uh, Krishi Star as a company. Like, you know, it's the team. What does a normal day of work look like? Just like for our listeners, just to warm this up, is up a, a bit of a This is a bit of a dangerous question to ask me. <laughs> okay, so then because David, I, David, I, you should I would love this. to pass it to David or you might be in store for like a 20-minute rant for me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, David, okay. question is all yours. Okay, so, <clears throat> so Christy Stars obviously a social enterprise company. Um, when I uh, came along, um, we quickly recruited um, Abdul. So we had kind of four heads in the company. So Brian, myself, Augusta and Abdul. And um, we had this vision of improving farmer livelihoods. And we were doing that through value additions of food processing and developing um, canned products. So our first product was the whole peeled tomato. And we started selling that in the horeca sector. So hotels, restaurants, catering companies, originally in Mumbai, but then we expanded to places like Pune and Goa. Um, a typical day is really hard to probably articulate in a couple of minutes because it is so varied. Each of us have kind of specialist areas and then generalist areas. So I kind of specialize in product development so I can work on some of the specifications for new products that we sell. Um, but I also look after the employee life cycle. So that can involve interviewing. And right now I'm interviewing for the fellowship program. So that's a nine month program um, that's designed to give um, kind of pre-MBA students, but not exclusively for them, uh, an opportunity to see, you know, all aspects of uh, the social enterprise business. Brian, anything you want to add? Uh, no, I think that covers it. I think the I've shared quite a bit about what is Krishi Star in, in a previous episode, so I don't want to get started on that. But um, yeah, I think David's yeah. covered it. Thank you so much, David, for that. Okay, so then on that note, diving directly into our first segment. So this question is specifically for Brian. So, uh, I mean, you know, we are going to have an entirely different episode on redemptive values. And uh, before we get into that episode, could you just give us, so Krishi Star is a redemptive company and we've often talked about this. So when did you decide that Krishi Star is going to be a redemptive company and what does it look like? Okay, sure. So about two years ago, we decided that we wanted to be a redemptive visioned company. And from there, you know, once we had that vision in our head, uh, we, had, we started to think about how did we want to execute it? And we sort of broke it, broke it down into three aspects. Like, you know, how do, you, how do we reform our company into a redemptively visioned company? Uh, the first aspect of it being ensuring that our business model is vision aligned. The second part is making sure that our culture is vision aligned. And the third aspect being community, uh, building community. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about the first one and then cover the second two a bit, bit briefly. Um, when you talk about vision aligned business model, what we were before we decided to change our vision was Krishi Star was essentially a company that was sourcing farmer-owned products and selling them to consumers and restaurants. And our impact was in this way, that the more we bought from farmers, the, the more that they would benefit. Uh, when, when I started to think about how could we re-envision this business model to align it with our vision, I thought about it from a few areas. First was stakeholders. So who are all the stakeholders that we were covering as a business? Uh, that could be farmers, 
our distribution partners, customers, um, logistics. Uh, Farmers was already being done, but so the couple that I honed in on was, one is the distribution partners. Uh, I came to the realization that the front end of our model, the, the marketing and the sales was a bit replicable. As in, it didn't have to be us doing it. We could train other people to do it. So we, we hit on this idea of, can we utilize our model to create micro entrepreneurs? Uh, and which would be a benefit to us because then we would have people helping us market and help, helping us scale our business. But it also was an opportunity to create an aspect of urban livelihood development on the front end. Um, another stakeholder that I mentioned was customers. So, you know, for us as a company, we, we never had any strict guidelines around what our products were. Our main focus had been to help farmers earn. Um, but the aspect of like how healthy is the food, how hygienic is our food, it was something that we maintained just because that was our personal interest, but it was never something that was part of our vision. So that was another area that we decided we wanted to dive into. Uh, the thought that everybody should have access to clean and safe foods and, and clean meaning, you know, there should be residue free, no pesticides. It doesn't have to be organic, but essentially the food should be healthy for the people that are eating it. And, you know, how we decided to shift our model basis of that is we've placed a, a little more of an emphasis on sourcing products from organic farmers and natural farmers. Um, so that's, yeah, that's the stakeholder angle. The second part of making this a vision aligned business model uh, was thinking about the overall impact. So how, you know, what, if, if you think about any business, there's n number of areas in which it impacts. Uh, and, and one pretty prominent example in most companies is what is the impact you're having on the environment? This is another area that I think we had kind of a personal interest in, but had never made it a focus of the company. Uh, things like we would constantly be getting feedback from customers. Hey, you're using plastic in your packaging. That's no good. And, or your, you know, processing kills the environment. You're, you're using all this diesel or all this energy uh, or all this wood. And it was something that, yeah, we were personally interested to, we did our best, but at the end of the day, we told ourselves, Hey, that's not our core mission. We can't do everything. Um, but now, if we're gonna try to have this 360 degree rent redemptive vision, we can no longer say that, hey, that's okay, let's just keep harming the environment because that's not our core vision. We are tasking ourselves with also taking that into account. So of course we can't solve all the problems of the world, but if there is something we can do about our packaging so that it's less wasteful, if there's sustainable energy that we can use, uh, we, we work towards incorporating that in now. And so, and beyond just from a passive, we've, we've taken active initiatives um, trying to incorporate uh, sustainable cold chain into our supply chain, for example, or working with partners to build soil monitoring for the farmers that we're sourcing from. Yeah, and then the last aspect beyond stakeholders overall impact is communications. I'm just thinking about to have a, like a vision aligned business model, we, we have to be accountable to everybody, right? We, we don't want to just run ourselves. So deciding like, hey, we want to make our communications more transparent. Um, can we build traceability into our supply chain? Can we create feedback loops where, you know, there's places where customers can put feedback and where we would give uh, active active uh, responses to their feedback. So these are all things that, that we wanted to include if we were going to have this vision aligned sustainable business model. Yeah, so yeah, I think that's a bit much the um, on sustainable business model. The other two were culture and community. Maybe like 
I'll pass it over to David to talk about how did we take our first stab at um, creating this redemptive culture. Yeah, sure. Right. So um, I'm a kind of firm believer in Carl Jung and synchronicity, and it was around about the same time Brian had introduced this redemptive values concept that I was starting to meditate and got into this idea of compassion. So there was a real resonance when Brian was talking about um, redemptive and what it meant. And I felt that compassion should be for self and others. Um, so I, I think uh, we kind of joined together on, on this really quickly. Um, and with my previous job in the uh, John Lewis Partnership, which is a, a company owned by its employees, so all 72,000 employees have an opportunity to have a say in the business. Um, I was used to kind of working in almost like experimental um, ways. So I think the experience there um, led me to look at, okay, how can we now do something, you know, similar within uh, Krishi Star in this startup environment? Um, so the first thing you have to do is kind of analyze the culture as it was then. Um, and we used a process called the culture web. Um, and we went on a retreat. So we went out to Augusta's farmhouse out in Vardami. And uh, one of the exercises there was to um, do this culture web. And I can take you through the, the processes in that. Um, just a little bit about the retreat for uh, those of you that uh, aren't familiar with this. So every six months before lockdown, Chrissy Starr would go and visit um, Augusta's farmhouse. And for three days, we would work on our personal development. So doing team building exercise and um, prior to the culture web, we would have done some work on the um, strategic vision of the organization. So first, once the vision is really clear, you can then start to build, um, you know, the culture um, against that vision. Um, so the first thing we did was analyze what the culture was um, back then. And then you have to look at what you want it to be. And then you kind of map the difference between the two. And then you can start to prioritize changes and then develop an action plan in order to address them. Um, so to go through some of the aspects of the culture web. Um, so the first one you look at are the stories. What are the past events and things people talk about? Um, in Christie Star, we had a lot of interns in the first few years. Um, and, you know, from various backgrounds, a lot of diversity. So we'd end up, you know, telling some funny stories about interns. So this became, you know, quite a big part of our culture. We had rituals and routines. So these are the daily behaviors and actions that people um, signal that show, you know, what's acceptable behavior and what's not. Um, and then that determines what's expected to happen in a given situation. So one of the rituals we had was, you know, hazing or ragging. Um, individuals. I'm sure Brian will remember some of our interns who we, we had kind of dancing on the table and doing Bollywood numbers um, on their first uh, meeting with us at Krishi Star, which is quite uh, quite fun. Um, and then some of the routines, we had a, a quote board, so a post-it note board. Um, so if anyone said a silly quote, we'd write it down and put it out on this board. And, and we've recently revisited that in the virtual world. Um, so trying to keep some of these uh, culture areas alive. We then have symbols, which are visual representations of the company. These include logos, you know, how plush the office is or any other kind of formal or informal dress code. So we introduced um, uh, 
a Hindi Thursday. Uh, we had a work from home Wednesday. Um, and again, these um, indicate to employees, you know, the kind of um, organization that we are. Then you have the formal organizational structure. So this is obviously the hierarchy in the company, um, which we decided initially we wanted, you know, to have a very flat structure. So not too many layers, not too many titles. Um, but this also includes the unwritten lines of power and influence. So sometimes you can have a very, I remember there was a guy called Gaurav, um, an intern, really very influential guy, um, kind of mature above his years. So, you know, this, this individual would be able to influence, um, you know, senior leaders with his um, direction. So these are some of the more subtle ways the uh, company can be influenced. Then you look at the control systems, so the way the organization is controlled. These can be things like the financial systems, quality systems and rewards. So at Krishi Star, we have redemptive values and there's a budget and there's reward cards. So if we recognize somebody has gone out of their way, um, Brian or myself or any other member of the team um, can click on our new code of platform and um, allocate an individual for a, uh, maybe a free cup of coffee or a cake on their birthday, a muffin um, or a book. And then uh, the last area of the culture web is, is the power structures. So the pockets of real power in the company. Um, obviously, being a fairly small company, um, this would be minimal for us. But this could involve one or two you know, senior executives or even a whole group of executives or even a whole department. So just getting to understand each of these um, various uh, levels um, allow us to see you know, where the power structures lie. Um, and then once we understand the culture, then you start mapping across um, a plan to address them. So one of the things we prioritized was processes for accountability. Um, so that I did some research on, you know, how do you keep values alive in an organization? It was very clear that you need to give feedback against the values regularly so that people are um, aware of where they've gone against a value and have the opportunity to correct it. So then we built things like a, a feedback loop, a pulse feedback. Um, and after each team meeting, we measure ourselves against our redemptive values as well. So these were some of the processes that we put in place um, to keep the culture alive. All right. Thank you so much, David, for that. I want to further discuss this. One of these things that you mentioned is, uh, you know, with regards to like the interns that you mentioned or the new uh, employees and stuff. So yeah. there is a, like as a fellow employee at Krishnstar, there definitely is a culture that is very like calm and very understanding. But then, you know, there are moments where, you know, you really have to hustle and that the work is really like hectic. And, you know, at that time, have you, or Brian, even you, have you all ever faced a situation where, you know, your your this, this very calm structure is now sort of, causing a hindrance or like, you know, it's, you're not being able to push the team in that moment of hecticness because sometimes you just need to go on, like, you know, fifth gear and just get work done. Yeah, I think when you bring a new team together, you have um, a cycle and we've gone through this at the retreat of storming, norming, performing and then outperforming. Um, so once you acknowledge that this is going to happen, you can identify, you know, which stage you're at in the you know team building you can then put in place um you know either sanctions or um, processes that allow individuals to express how they're feeling so whether that's you know a coffee chat 
um, a facilitated conversation or a particular exercise that you know we've done maybe online. Um, this then enables us to you know work our way through some of these challenges, um, and hopefully then you you regain this calmness. Um, we try and operate on what we call an adult-adult model. So this comes from transactional analysis rather than a parent-child model, um, which means that, you know, everyone from the intern to the CEO should be spoken to like an adult. Um, so then we hold each other to account when we notice, you know, this isn't happening. All right. Thank you so much. So on that note, uh, let's dive into another fun segment of our podcast episode for today. Uh, this is sort of like a rapid fire. So I am going to ask each of you four questions and you all have like basically a minute and a half to answer all those four questions. So you all have got to keep it like as uh, quick as possible, right? So uh, who between the two of you wants to go first? Brian. <laughs> all right, since, since David voices opinion first, Brian, we're going to go with you. Yeah, sure. Okay, so the first question is, in one line, what is the importance of partnerships within Chrissy Star, like with our stakeholders and stuff? Partnerships are how we're able to go from like a narrowly focused company to somebody who can have impact across so many different areas because we can't do it all ourselves. Okay, so compassion is one of the five redemptive values of Trishista and you know, I've heard this from the both of you, like compassion inwards is something that we talk a lot about within Krishista. So quickly, could you give me an example of when David displayed compassion? Yeah, I think that um, one of the things that really comes to mind is David does a really good job of displaying the fact that we have to be compassionate to everybody, whether we like them or not. And I think there was one at the risk of getting political with this podcast, there was a moment where I believe Trump's name came up during some conversation on our, our community group at the company. And people, it was the time where Trump was sort of not saying the things you'd want him to say about coronavirus. And people were starting to bash him. And then, then Trump got coronavirus. And there was, um, I guess embarrassingly, like quite a bit of celebration on the group saying like, okay, good, he's gotten what he deserved. And David was the one who brought it up and, and said, hey guys, like our value of compassion has to extend to people, whether we agree with them or like them as not. Like we shouldn't, we shouldn't be happy that this, even, even though that's, it's making a statement and, and it's in line with what you want the world to know, like he's also a person and we can't celebrate the fact that he's down with COVID. So David Amazing. took that step. I mean, this is exactly why I said David's one of the nicest people you meet, right? Uh, the next question, how have you navigated dealing with employee mental health and work from home during this pandemic? It's tough. And this is one of the things I would say has really stressed the limits of our values. Because when you, I, th I think there's a lot to unpack about the value of compassion because Actually, it's, it's quite a, a word that can mean different things to different people. Compassion can mean pathetic. Compassion to some people, it might mean sympathetic, et cetera. So when you hear about something that's going on in somebody's lives, the, the broad thing of saying be compassionate and be understanding, when you're trying to run a business, 
there's also the tension of of results. Um, so you have so many different people processing what's going on in different ways, um, but yet you're trying to drive a business result. And it's something that has to be done with a lot of understanding of each person's circumstance, but with also in eye towards, there are also bottom line things that we're trying to achieve as a company. Uh, so to give you a tangible example, somebody falls sick with COVID or somebody, or somebody's having some difficulties at home, of course, you're going to be a compassionate and make allowances for it. But there also needs to be the acknowledgement that if that person was doing a job and suddenly they're not doing it, then, hey, the company can't just go under because of one person's circumstances. So, yeah, it's, it's a dialogue that you continually have to, to get into. And it's something that, that we work towards. Like, compassionate can't just be blind sympathy. There, there has to be an understanding behind it, but there also has to be an objectiveness. And uh, your last question is, okay, so again, we have an entire episode centralized around this topic, but I'm very curious to know your answer about this. So give me a pro and a con to startup culture. The pro of startup culture, I think, is there. there's so much, for, so for example, for somebody coming into a startup culture, so you wanna work for a startup company, you have the opportunity to advance very quickly to take on whatever responsibilities you want because typically a startup team has less people than they have things that are need to be done so if you can display a desire to do something and a competency to do that you're you're not going to be held back right you'll, you'll just advance as quickly as you can and as you want to and you'll get to work in whatever fields that you want to work in so in terms of just breadth and depth and, and advancement. There's nothing like startup culture. And I actually advise anybody trying to switch careers or, or, or explore something that startup is a really good place to do it because you have so much flexibility. The con to that is because that same flexibility comes with quite a bit of chaos, right? If the, the structure of that's evolved over decades in, in certain corporates is not there, you don't have well-defined roles. You might not have well-defined KPIs. You might not even have well-defined management structures because things are so quickly changing. So it's very—it's something which has to be quite self-regulated. As in you have to be able to adapt to the unknown. You—you can't—you can't come to work every day and be like, "Oh, my manager has not given me clear direction, so I'm just gonna not do anything." Right? The—the the initiative falls so much more on you uh, because a startup experience can be is exactly what you make of it. You can come in and have an amazing experience or you could come in and have a horrible experience. There, there's, there's not, there's a quite, there's quite a wider range of outcomes than in other jobs. Awesome. And the last one is a pro and a con for corporate culture. The pro of corporate culture, I would say is without just going the opposite of what I said, like just to, to add a couple more, so one thing is there, there are so many more resources at your disposal. Um, if you're coming in and you need to do finance or you need to do the cash flows, there's probably something in your, something in your company who's that expert that you can just go do for advice. Whereas if you're in a startup and the job falls upon you to, to do the cash flows of your company and you go to your manager and say, hey, I, I need to talk to whoever's the expert of this in the company, that your manager might just come to, uh, that's you. Right. <laughs> you go figure it out. Use Google. So I would say that's the pro to corporate. There's so many more resources and structure at your disposal. I think the con to corporate culture is 
there, there's a lot of, um, and I'm, I'm saying this because of just how I'm hearing other people talk. There's a lot more structure, as, as good as that structure is, um, for giving you KPIs and for giving you, um, you know, resources. It's also something that needs to be navigated to advance or to, to get, like, if you want to switch from marketing into operations in a corporate culture, there's so many more hurdles you're going to have to jump through. There's so many more, you know, you're going to have to talk to this line manager who's going to have to talk to the HR, who's going to talk to this person, and then gonna have to be a transition period, et cetera. So it, it's going to just move a lot slower and there's a lot more things that have to be navigated to um, do what you want to do all right thank you so much brian for that david it's your turn now so same questions i'll repeat <clears throat> them for you and then you can go ahead with your answers sure. so in one line what is the importance of partnerships with regard to like this is our stakeholders i think um i call it networking and we've looked at how critical networking is to our business and particularly you know when you're a startup moving to a small company um if you haven't networked effectively enough then um it's very difficult to grow so i would say critical uh the next question is uh give us an example of how you how brian displayed compassion one of the kind of biggest examples is around um, integrity as well as compassion around farmers um, and he's, he will always say you know we shouldn't promise um, farmers things that we can't deliver so when we're out in field trips um, you know before we meet with a farmer producer organization we kind of remind ourselves or Brian reminds us of that you know we shouldn't be over promising here obviously um, you know we want to help farmers that's our um, mission if you like um, it's it's often a tendency you know you want to promise too much so it's uh, i think it's good to have that integrity as well as um, compassion when we're meeting those key stakeholders all right okay your next question is how have you navigated dealing with employee mental health and so david i know this is an area that you handle the most uh at the so you know yeah, it's fair to say it's been a challenge the last 18 months. I think each of us has dealt with it um, very differently. Um, I'm kind of generally interested in individuals' personality types, and you can almost see, you know, the introvert, extrovert um, preferences playing out where, you know, myself being uh, extroverts so are getting my energy from other people, being away from, you know, friends, family for, you know, several months at a time was particularly challenging. Um, and maybe Brian, you know, it's, I'll probably gets his energy from more introverted space, um, found you know, he was more productive. So again, having compassion or showing empathy for each of the team members based on their individual circumstances. So rather than, you know, going straight to judgment, oh, they shouldn't be feeling that or why are they feeling this, um, to a more empathetic, okay, what would it be like for me to be in that position? Um, you know, some of our team. Um, their family got COVID, they were outside of Mumbai. Um, you know, they were a, a key person of responsibility within the family. So, you know, they were involved in the hospital visits and the shopping for provisions and everything else involved, um, mm -hmm. you know, when you're in that family unit um, outside of a metro. I think from a company perspective, we quickly put together some resources. We created a 
a kind of spreadsheet with lots of different tabs on it that helped employees kind of one express where they were on this kind of change curve so how are they dealing with the the lockdown and then after that um in my coaching sessions the one-on-one sessions with the team just um using things like the nine box exercise to, to kind of revisit okay what are you doing now and what would you like to be doing in the future so one of my um kind of mantras was coming out of lockdown better than when i went in so using it as an opportunity to learn something new so i, I took up drawing again and learned to make sourdough bread etc so encouraging each of the team to do something like that obviously with their own um uh, smart objectives in mind all right okay so give us a pro and a con for startup culture um i think adaptability is a huge pro in startup um because the team is small you can change direction very quickly um in a corporate world um with all the corporate governance and the size of the organization hierarchy it's very difficult to um elicit change rapidly so i quite like the um the startup culture because we can do that uh, fairly quickly and gone for startup culture i would say it's <laughs> sometimes not getting paid so you have to acknowledge you know in the early days um when you know revenue may not be forthcoming you've got to be able to have a bit of savings behind you to be able to cope with um with that all right and a pro and a con for corporate culture now i know that you already like tapped on the corporate culture side but like mm-hmm. like Brian did if you could just give us like another different type of an example of a pro and a con for corporate culture yeah so in a corporate environment the culture is already in place it's very difficult to have an impact on it especially in the two large corporates i worked for so 100 and 125 year old organizations that got well established um cultures and what was interesting is um, when i applied for the john lewis partnership the um recruiter said to me in uh waitrose um he said oh maybe you've outgrown you know the marks of spencer culture and i think he kind of hit the nail on the head actually the changes that i'd seen in marks of spencer and i didn't feel part of that organization anymore so having um a culture that suits your personal values um i think is 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 critical and I've been grateful within Krishi Star to take the elements of both of those cultures and and put hopefully some of the best aspects you know in the Krishi Star workspace. Comfort corporate um yep. is I think wow David you can't think of a con for corporate culture. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just um thinking of a good example. So and and something different to what Brian has said already because I would talk about um you know some slow um it's very difficult to change your area of expertise so there is an investment in a corporate culture in you so when i was a branch manager um i was in the you know corporate division and then when i wanted to move into um the hr uh, division um that was quite a big challenge they see all their investment in time and effort you know to develop you as a strategic branch manager um and the there isn't necessarily a formal transition plan for people to move between these divisions so that i think helped me back and was probably ultimately why i left thank you so much for that brian and david uh that is the end of our podcast episode for today and before i let the two of you go could brian tell us where we could find krishi star on um, like our website or you know just to 
recap and remind our uh, listeners as to where we can get in touch with either one of you or Krishy Star as a company. Yes, Krishy Star is present on the World Wide Web at www.krishystar.com, as well as various social media platforms: Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, you can just search us up there and, and add us, and we have many updates from recipes to podcasts to pictures of farmers to us doing silly things like juggling tomatoes. So um, yeah, please come in and interact with us. Awesome! Thank you, Brian, and thank you, David, for being on our podcast. Thank you, Crow. Know your onions. Stay tuned for our next episode of Know Your Onions. Until then, bye. Know your onions. Know your onions.